0: Welcome into Tailgate. Austin Gale here with Mike Renner in actually sunny Cincinnati. Weather mm-hmm. outside is phenomenal. I think there's one reason for it. It's your freaking birthday. Oh, yeah, it is.
1: Number 32. I called that my mock draft birthday, you know, because there's 32 picks in the first round. So this is the that year is I finally... This is thing the thing I've ever heard. I, that was. I, I hated that. This is the year I get them all right, though. This is the year. I, kn- I knew it was draft season, actually, this morning when... That and I knew that the draft needed to get here. When this morning my brother texts me, and he said, "The Saints should draft Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis in the first round." That's when I knew that the draft needs to fucking get here tomorrow.
0: I think that's gonna happen. I think your brother's right. Is there any like, he can come I, on the show? I, and,
1: and it made sense to me. That's how I knew the draft needed to get here. It made sense to me that they should probably take both. Like they need a quarterback, get both. No, but I, stop. It stop. didn't. It, it's they're not going to. I, I I've thought about it more and. Cooler heads have prevailed, but I'm excited for tomorrow.
0: Today on the show, because it's your birthday, we are going to do probably like an hour and a half long listener mailbag. We're going to try and get through as many questions as we possibly can. Run the rack. Also, if you are a big Cincinnati Bearcats fan or Notre Dame fan, back into the show, two-parter, interviews with Luke Fickle, and Marcus Freeman, which is a phenomenal piece that we're excited for. Freeman was fun. You joined in on that one. You never do the interviews, but when it's a Notre Dame guy, you got to join some Ah. Golden Domers. Ah. And then Fickle, I thought, provides some really good perspective on a lot of the Cincinnati prospects. He told me Curtis Brooks was their best defensive player last year, which I thought was interesting, knowing that they obviously have Ahmad Gardner and all that stuff. All right, we'll get to those interviews in the back end. We'll also get to the mailbag, but before we do, Remember I was telling you that Manscaped wants tailgate. Manscaped wants us. They sent us a box of Manscaped stuff. Let me grab this real quick. They sent us a box. And at the end of this unveiling, I have to shave your pubes live on cam.
1: No, okay. That's that's a step too far. We're not going (laughs) to... If, so, if, if any shaving's done right now, I'm gonna step out. For if a you can sec, zoom but, in
0: here, your balls will thank you for manscaped, which you love to see. Unboxing this live for those who are listening on the podcast. This box.
1: This doesn't quite have the same energy as like a YouTube or like a TikTok box, influencer. This box. Listen
0: to this. Listen to this. This box comes with a crop mop, okay, which is a ball wipe, which I think you could take on the go, um, on a first date, second date situation. Those are actually handy. Uh, <laughs> I've used <laughs> said <laughs> wipes. In similar no, type have of not, wipes Have you it. actually? Yeah. Okay, so it's got the crop mop. Let's say
1: what, what brand?
0: It's got the crop mop, the crop cleanser, which is a hair and body wash, the foot duster, foot deodorant. That's actually pretty fire. Then it's got the refined manscape cologne, and then they got the plow. <laughs> then they have the plow 2.0. I just dropped it. <laughs> they have the plow 2.0 in here too for extra refinement, which I didn't even know you needed. The plow 2.0, the duster, all that also comes with a weed whacker for the nose and air. Mm-hmm. Which, nose and hair. Nose and ear. A second box for you to take home. That's one I won't drop. You can have, oh, oh, you dropped I it will. as well. Maybe I will. Maybe. There's a lot of stuff in here. Another weed whacker for the boys.
2: These then you guys. have
0: a lawnmower 4.0, which if you have not shaved your downstairs with one of these, you're probably rocking a Furby down there. Because this is the only thing that gets you downtown in a good place. Furby's
1: still a thing? Do they still sell Definitely those? not.
0: I think Furby's could be the next NFTs. Put that on a quote graphic social. (laughs) Furby's could be the next NFTs. They said there's a lot more other stuff in here. Shout out Manscaped, dude. Deodorant. This is not for your balls, though. Let's give it a smell. This is for your armpits. I thought the Plow 2.0... This actually pretty... I thought you were talking about your mother when you said the Plow 2.0, but I guess it's a hand raiser. Smell this deodorant. This is from Manscaped as well, which you love to see. Also got some body wash daily shower gel i want to get that to you later we got shampoo and conditioner a little two-in-one for the road these do smell good i will say and you got here's your shampoo and conditioner you know i
1: don't use shampoo and conditioner this is going to go on riggins
0: i like that i like that we got two shirts you know what you needed for your wardrobe a manscaped shirt that says manscaped on it and says your balls will thank you Mm. wear that out to the bars uh wear it on the show tomorrow night wear it on the show tomorrow night hydrating body spray let's get this a little spin here hydrating body spray get a smell on this you could use a little hydration it smells pretty fire dude get a little swift on that get all of this shit this we got all a- of this shit manscape body spray oh the lip balm how many lip balm
1: two lip
0: balm three lip balms
1: see i usually just put on like one deodorant this is uh this is next i level. feel like i would top. Level.
0: Another deodorant, looks like some more wash, body wash, and then another lip balm for you. I'll take lip balm I actually do. All a little chapped Shout at the moment. out Manscaped. All this stuff. You, you you can treat every inch of your body with Manscaped. That's what people don't don't think about oftentimes. So, this the is the Manscaped Weed whacker 3.0 the we got the plow 2.0 the plow 1.0 is back at renter's apartment okay and then the lawnmower 4.0 is here to stay as well which will buzz through everything you've got um the big thing here as we unbox this is all this could become yours for 20 percent off and free shipping with code PFF at manscaped.com. The only true guaranteed quality pickup this season is Manscaped, the leaders and below the waist grooming. With Manscaped Performance Package 4.0, which is right here, the package I think is down there. I dropped it, but we do have the lawnmower. Your skill position will be sleek and smooth, enough for a sub 4,340. Support us and head to Manscaped and use the exclusive code PFF at checkout for 20% off plus free shipping. Because of the ceramic blade and skin-safe technology, your nicks and snags will be reduced in the season of trimming the roster. Manscaped will make sure to cutting, you're cutting the right players and not any important pieces of your D. Because of this, look, fellas, don't fall off her draft board. The ladies out there think that long nose hair is a major turnoff. The weed whacker, nose, ear, and hair trimmer is your solution. Why not use the best tools for the job here? April is draft season, but it's also testicular cancer awareness month. Manscaped has partnered with testicular cancer society to bring awareness to testicular cancer, men's health, and early cancer detection. Get 20% off and free shipping with code what? PFF. PFF at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use code PFF. Turn your Mr. Irrelevant into a first-round pick with Manscaped. You're putting the deodorant on. I tossed a little on right now. I kind of want to put some lip balm on. It was. It was good it was is it uh, good? refreshing yeah yeah. i need to try what was in that what was in the box again
1: um it was all shaving stuff
0: no this oh, the crop on, mop dude. no the crop mop is in there oh
1: the
0: so you ice. got the crop cleanser which is a hair and body wash you got the foot duster the crop mop and then the plow 2.0 which is a superior safety razor made with a better machine brass handle the better grip and zinc alloy head provide um, a gentle shave for extra we'll say the the scent on this
1: is like a pine ish mm. it's very very refined yeah. Not my, not my, uh, the finer things. I usually smell like good chick, honestly, if I'm going to keep it real, but this is more man. I've heard
0: that actually. Yeah. How do I get this lip balm on? Let me get a little. Wow. Manscaped head to your toe. You love to see it. That's code PFF, by the way, code PFF at manscaped.com. All right. That's it for the catch. And early <laughs> we got a lot of manscape gear. And, uh, as we progress through here, it will be listener mailbag season. First, Question is actually from a proud gator of ours, Gator Charlie. Charlie Metzger is the guy we met when we were on our tailgate tour in Alabama, who's from Cincy and uh Cross River, Covington. Cross the river and Covington, Covington, Kentucky. He has the question here as the founder and proprietor of our esteemed group of both scholars and gentlemen, I feel like now would be a good time to break the silence. I would like to thank Austin Gale for his constant support and harassment during Flip Cup, Mike Renner for showing me how to spit game at a tailgate, <laughs> and welcome. Dave Salfaro. who, big shout out to David Salfaro. not a part of the tailgate as much anymore, used to be a firm supporter on the tailgate, now he just books all the interviews and all that stuff, he used to be on every podcast, now it's his role is Max Chadwick, but still, Dave Sofaro for acquiring the worst cornhole bags of all time, he yeah, did, he, those cornhole bags in Tuscaloosa were terrible. I want all the listeners to know whether you are choking your chicken or talking about George Pickens, there's always going to be a place for you with the master Gators. Love that. I think it's the only, it's only right that my question for you guys is about an Alabama player looking ahead to next year. Where do you think Will Anderson Jr. is going to fall as a prospect? I think the dude has potential to be above the Bosa's chase young, and maybe even miles Garrett, but that's looking at him through my crimson colored glasses. Thanks guys. And keep master Gating. big shout out to Gator, Charlie Metzger
1: shout out to Gator, Charlie Metzger. I, I do. I will say, he could skip this year and still be the first non-quarterback draft of next year. I, I think I said I may have said that after National Championship game because, you know, James Williams tore his ACL, and there's talk about, oh, you know, all these games for all these players, do they need to play? I do think he realistically put enough on tape that he would be the first non-quarterback in next year draft without having played. That being said, I don't think physically he's going to quite measure up to Miles Garrett. Just Miles Garrett came out 6'5", 270, with the lead explosiveness, and then, like production every single year i think you earn a pass rushing grade over 90 every single year of his career so from the nfl perspective i think that was like the top guy from an nfl perspective we obviously said chase young was our top guy he hasn't quite matched chase young from a pure production perspective yet but would not surprise me if he surpasses him next year like that, that this guy is special he is firmly in that tier is he going to be seen as better than them i'm not putting it outside the realm like he was 243 last year. If he gets up to 260 and maintains that quickness and the burst that we've seen, I can get on board with him being the best prospect we've seen in the PFF era if he puts
0: on a show next year. I think he's going to. And I don't think he's – you know, I saw some people saying the same thing where he's like, oh, why doesn't he just skip next year? He has nothing to gain. I think he could be one of the most dominant players. I think he could be in the running for the Heisman. Heisman, yeah, yeah, I think he's going to be that good, that dominant for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Again, another shout-out to Charlie Metzger. I just put on the Manscaped deodorant. I'm feeling live, Feeling live, 95. Do you think they'll ever normalize – I could see it. I think more guys are paying their nails now. More guys are getting uh, Mm -hmm. finger rings or normal rings. Do you think they'll ever normalize guys shaving their armpits? Oh, uh, mm. I could see it. I could see it. Yeah. You shave your chest. Don't you, you shave my chest? Yeah. I don't think, I don't think it's 100%. that out of the question. Sometimes. I can easily I'm like see a, I'm like, like a religious chest shaver. I just, so once in a while, my mom is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is from TBO Gooch using this year's draft order. What would be your top 10 picks if every player was eligible for the draft? Just like how the NBA draft was. So we've done this question before, I think, have we? I think so, but we can keep going just run it back. Yeah, I I guess the only guys I
1: think would factor in are the quarterbacks, maybe Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, and and then, like, the edges. um, Will Anderson uh, would factor in. Jalen
0: Carter, maybe the defense stack from Georgia would factor in. That's about it. All right, Ethan Wah on Apple Podcasts. How did Titus Howard grade at tackle versus guard last year? Do you think he's good enough to be Houston's long-term solution at tackle? I think we saw the Houston Texans GM recently – talk highly or speak highly of howard and felt that if he said something along the lines of, if we had five titus howards we'd be in a really good place high on him they're him the guard they're going to find a way to play him but uh you, what was the grading i like him better at tackle truthfully i mean that's where
1: he played in college that's where he was drafted for um and i think that's why they aren't getting mocked at number three overall anymore as being a lock for an offensive tackle truthfully and his grading would say over the course of his career 73.4 pass blocking great attack versus 51 inside so yeah i i wouldn't be surprised if he's the right tackle mixture on to ajax
0: 1624 in a world where the texans actually commit to levy smith's tampa two with their second round pick would you rather have safety Lewisine in the bob sanders role or leo chanel the wisconsin outbound linebacker in the brian Erlacher role are there better fits for these key tampa two positions
1: yeah, so scene. I, I I would probably prefer brisker in said defense, but that's your splitting hairs there Seen to be fine. Um, Seen's very versatile, so I'm, I'm not really upset either way with that. I, I don't think Chanel, though, is your perfect Brian Urlacher role, despite them you know, maybe sharing the same skin, skin pigmentation. That's where the comps stop in that uh, role, in my opinion, because Urlacher was like, what he was 6'4", with a massive wingspan, that dude could cover ground in terms of what he could do in coverage. And that was the key to that defense. To me, the guys that would fit that sort of, have that sort of ability, Quay Walker, which is why he's probably going the first round, the Georgia linebacker, Troy Anderson, the Montana State linebacker, just because that guy could fucking fly down the middle of the field. And then Mike Rose, if we're looking later in the draft, the Iowa State off-ball linebacker.
0: I, I, I saw recently that Chanel, I saw someone, I think it was one of the NFL media guys say that he's going to go a lot higher than people think. I think he, you are a lot higher on him than the consensus yeah, board. I think he's, he's going to be top 40, top 50 pick type of guy, even though I think he's like in the seventies on, on the consensus board where Leo Chanel is right now. This is from Joko ba, who I think is a consistent question asker on tailgate. Sure. And I originally was like, oh man, can't get these repeat questions. I like the dedication. I like the dedication of J- Joko ba. He, he probably puts in a different review every single you week. He wants
1: to go alienate our core users, or core listeners, core gators. I, I, I'm fine with the If you cheat the system, teach the
0: system. If he has that's a weed whacker, like my, that's all that matters. That's literally how I got the job at PFF. I, I don't put system, a so. lot of lip balm on in my life. I have it on right now. I'm feeling fresh. Uh, this is from Joko If <laughs> Kenyon Green dropped some fat and added some muscle, so he's in the 30, 305 to 315 range, do you think he could play tackle in the NFL? Aren't we all trying
1: to drop some fat and add some muscle?
0: But and I want to play tackle too. I don't. I don't even
1: think he could necessarily. Obviously, it would be great if he could lose fat, gain muscle, um, reshape his body. Yes, I'm not sure he even needs to to get a chance to tackle. Like he's not. He's not an elite mover in the space by any means, but he is a capable mover and very plays with great balance to where he could play tackle. Like, there are far less athletic tackles in the league than him.
0: Next on the list here is GatorFan69. I think he this guy is a big tailgate guy. When saying just because a prospect hasn't done it mean he can't do it, an example like Trayvon Walker, Austin constantly makes excuses for why he has little pass rushing production and comparing him to guys like Justin Jefferson who didn't produce on the outside but did in the NFL. Don't think it's different for edge than receiver. Even if Jefferson never produces an outside receiver, he could still have produced in the slot. But if Walker doesn't rush the passer, he becomes next Cleveland Furl. So that's the first question. His second question was, wouldn't it make more sense for the Panthers to either trade down or take a tackle instead of QB? The second question is 100% right. I, th- I think the Packers are either going to take a tackle, like Charles Cross, or they're going to take QB, or, or, or they're going to trade down. I, I don't, I don't see the Packers take, or Panthers taking a QB at six. As for his first question, I, I, I do, I do think he's right in that the comparison I made with Justin Jefferson was. You you haven't seen him do it, but he was really, really productive in the slot. With Mm -hmm. Walker, he hasn't been productive regardless of alignment. He is, I'm trying to think of it, he's similar to, I don't know, he's a, he's a, I mean, I don't think the conversation is all that dissimilar to like Malik Willis. And Malik Willis was even a little bit obviously more productive than what Trayvon Walker was relative to his position. He's an interesting one because even Rashawn Gary graded better than Trayvon Walker right Mm -hmm. some people make the Gary comparisons because Gary wasn't even as productive as Chase Winovich coming out but still had a lot of these traits Walker wasn't nearly the most productive player along that Georgia defensive line but he wasn't even nearly as productive as Rashawn Gary was coming out of Michigan
1: the worry for me or the guy you kind of comp that I brought my mind goes to that's like the worst case scenario or like what you worry about when you draft a guy who's kind of in this mold is Solomon Thomas and now the length is much different he has like two and a half inch longer arms like they are different builds but Solomon Thomas was this undersized interior guy four or five technique that also played three technique in that Stanford defense kind of similar to the role that Trayvon Walker plays who productive there but was not a edge pass rusher did not rush the passer off the edge and so when he gets to the NFL and is asked to do so He's never done it, and it's different. Winning on the outside against tackles versus winning against guards. You just have to have different movesets, and if you can't win the corner, which is pretty much something that we never saw from Thomas at Stanford and we have not seen from Trayvon Walker is truly winning the corner against offense tackles, you get a little worried because that's difficult. It's it's a skill that Jadavin Clowney never mastered. It's why he never really took the next step in the NFL. It's one that some guys fail to ever really grasp and that's why i sort of lean towards the guys who have done it already like the aiden hutchinson's of the world um even like jermaine johnson this draft class has done is why a lot of people are high on them so that's where my mind goes but it's not an app like again it's not an apples to apples comparison there because much different body types still
0: duck bias on apple podcasts what are your thoughts on ruckers running backs i ruckers running back isaiah pacheco if he were to stick in the league for a few years, how would you see that happening? Full disclosure, I not only watched him at Rutgers, but we went to the same high school. So I am rooting for the kid to succeed, cheers. Also a side note, Mike telling Austin that it's actually pronounced dissected, not dissected, was one of the most insane things I've ever heard. You saw, you saw that YouTube comment that someone said I was right though, right? No, I, I think, so what was interesting is the, if you look up the pronunciation of dissected, it says dissected, but I think, like we literally did that on the yeah. podcast okay, for on yeah. Google, yeah. But, but if not you a, Google, which yeah. is I heard a reputable source, yeah. the the issue the the best comment I saw on YouTube was I think it was from like a doctor or something. die, obviously that um, prefix, prefix means double split. or whatever. Split in half, like two. Split. Oh yeah, yeah. Split. Um, whereas di is probably what Exa- it actually
1: di- is. means. Di means into many yeah. examination. So yeah, that was it's funny. Dis- sect-
0: that was funny. But okay. I, I, I do understand why everyone pronounces it dissected because literally if you Google the pronunciation, it says dissected. Yeah. All right. Uh, the best tape for Isaiah Pacheco, if you go you back like, – You
1: like Pacheco more than I do.
0: I, like, I like Pacheco a little bit more. I think you go back and watch the Michigan game. I think against Michigan – I wrote, wrote here
1: against, Pacheco, so oh,
0: – You wrote so. Pacheco? <laughs> go ahead. I think if you like Pacheco, you like the Michigan tape because the Michigan tape, he looks like one of the faster – you know I mean, he looks really fast. He gets to the edge well. He, you know, he kind of beats up on that defense a little bit. Easily the best player on offense for Rutgers um, now – Am I taking him ahead of like the fifth round? No. But I feel that way about a lot of the running backs in this class.
1: Yeah, he's fast. He's certainly fast. I, I just didn't see explosiveness or willingness to really run violently between the tackles. That's just like he was the kind of guy who avoided contact more so than sought it out, which is worrisome.
0: Translating the NFL. This is from King Duke 41. If you had the choice at 17 for the Chargers, which would you take if both were available at 17? Jameson Williams or Trevor Penning? Oh my God, Simon, close. <laughs> also, besides Thibodeau, who is a, another top prospect you'd be shocked about falling out of the top 10 or first round? Drake London. I think London's going to fall out of the top 10. That one, I guess, maybe isn't as shocking as Thibodeau because Thibodeau right now is minus 205 to be a top four pick. But I've been kind of stunned at where betting markets are leaning with London right now. I think London could be wide receiver three off the board. Maybe even wide receiver four after Olave. He is trending in the opposite direction yeah. on the betting market side of things. But in the his first question, it's Jameson Williams. No matter, uh, Trevor Penning, we don't even have as a first-round caliber player in this class. Uh,
1: I The one that I've been floored at talk of recently falling out of the first round is Devontae Wyatt, the George defense tackle. That one, to me, would blow my mind if he falls out of the first round. And there are people saying that he will. So – that that's the one where I'm just like I, I get these 24, but find me too many other real warts to him. Now maybe there are sort of off-field or injuries or something that I don't know about. But from a talent perspective, find me a DT that runs a 477 to 307 pounds that can actually like, use his hands and move. Not a lot that exists in humanity. So um, yeah, I think Fontenot should still be a first rounder, but trending towards maybe not being one
0: all righty then big shout out again to manscaped manscaped that's what we're surrounded by if you're just not joining the podcast on youtube we got the lawnmower 4.0 we got the weed whacker it's not it's this is the weed whacker 1.0 i got down there the crop duster 2.0 a lot of things not the crop duster it's uh what is it called (laughs) the power the plow 2.0 sorry (laughs) i got the crop mop the crop cleanser the foot duster and the plow 2.0 okay it's tough it's tough to get ahead of these things all right, this is from Bear May three. Bear May's a constant. Constant. What Power Five school has provided the highest cumulative PFF grades from players once they make it to the NFL? Top five. What Power Five has the highest average PFF grade for players in the NFL? Top five and bottom five. Did he ask? Excellent. Oh,
1: yeah. This one I included because I didn't want to feel like we forgot about him, but um, I don't even know how to go look up that sort of thing.
0: You should have just list five random yeah, schools. Yeah, I, I
1: should have just lied to you. <laughs> yep, but... we did the
0: calculations. The algorithm actually spat out Ohio State. <laughs> Alabama, Arkansas, and um, Oklahoma there, State and
1: Oklahoma. There's probably like one school that had one guy go to the NFL and he played well. Oh, good so call. Try to think of what school that would be. Hmm. Like a um, Lenoir Ryan. Uh, Kyle no, Duggar. no, he said Power 5 only. Oh, fuck. Kyle Duggar. Lenoir Ryan. There's your.
0: No, player. I got to think of Power 5 school that only Power has like five. one that would only player like in it. One guy in the league. Thinking Pac 12.
1: Oh, Pittsburgh would probably be. Aaron Donald.
0: Oh, that's just a great take. That's a him. great take. That's a great take. This is from Master Gator. Not sure how I got that. Our Indianapolis Colt YouTube, oh, on Indianapolis Colts YouTube, they put up a snippet of Ballard discussing the draft, and he said it's putting an emphasis on traits. He is putting an emphasis on traits. What are some options for pick 42? I wouldn't rule out Alec Pierce, Zion McCollum, the Sam Houston State corner, or Tariq Woolen. McCollum or Woolen at 42 would be rich. High. It'd be high for me.
1: The guy that I have, think has traits that just like feels like a Colt in the way he plays. Because he's very similar to the guy they just traded away. Um, Cam Taylor Britt, the Nebraska corner. To me, 4 3 speed, long, physical, feels like a Colt cornerback. Feels like a Rocky Sin, top of the second kind of guy.
0: On to Soto underscore shuffle. Are there any mid round guards that could be targets for the Patriots? The loss of Mason and Karras means the Pats have an open guard spot
1: there's a lot uh, mid-round guards it's a good year are. to need
0: an interior offensive lineman on day two the
1: guy that i keep going back to that would love to go there because obviously they covet you know size people movers physical dudes sean ryan the ucla guard who i actually had a brown scouting system reach out to me and say we got his name wrong yeah, his name was wrong in the report that i got he's actually only 21 you said he said his was name wrong his, his name was his age wrong excuse oh. me he's only 21
0: I thought you better throw out a random name or yeah. something we got, got his, his name his wrong his name's Adrian. actually brian <laughs> so
1: he would be a guy who i think if he you get him with a good offensive line coach you could have a
0: real deal high-end guard in this class this is from pat from poo keeps he. question one Why do NFL teams remove a player from their board completely because of a medical red flag? If the player is a day one or day two level prospect, it makes sense to take a shot on this player at some point on day three, because the reward outweighs the risk at that point. I want to answer that one first. I do think it's because they, I think there are certain medical flags where the risk, the reward will never outweigh the risk for some of these teams, right? Some of these teams like legitimately have thresholds in the medicals that they do not Mm -hmm. like if a certain player has this knee issue or this shoulder issue, it's not worth betting at any point especially so he's like oh if he has a day one two day one or day two level prospect why not take a shot at him there's probably like 10 other players with the same grade and like you're you're not going to be there's never going to be a point where he's the only guy that you're going to start taking in that spot
1: and, and you see it in contracts like availability if a guy has an injury history whatsoever they don't get big contracts. they mm-hmm. like teams do not f around they, they want you on the football field Coaches get pissed, and that's why, like, guys get rushed back from injury and shit, too, is because coaches have no time for guys who are here one week, gone the next. Like, that is a coach's nightmare. So that is why a guy, if they have, like, a nagging injury that could, like, follow them, teams just don't want any – won't even – don't care how talented he is. They
0: do not want him on the football team. Number two, this is the same Pookeepsie Pat. Is there any way the Patriots take – so this is a Patriots fan named Pat from Pookeepsie. Is there any way the Patriots take Leo Chanel in the first round? He seems like more likely to be a day two selection, but after blowing up the combine, the fit seems too perfect based on the type of linebackers, Bill Belichick covets. No, I don't think so. I, I like Leo Chanel as much as the next guy, but well, I, I think your the fit, way though, would be if they trade back.
1: I mean, if they trade back to the back end of the first round. Sure. I, I could see it. Not over Devin Lloyd. I mean, if like trade back, those guys are gone, I could still see it. I mean, they might they may not covet Devin Lloyd. They may still want a bigger linebacker. So I don't know. TBD. But I, that's the only way. Not at
0: 21, I'd say. I think your mock that had him going to the Pats, um, or not him, uh, Quay Walker's to the Walker Patriots, to I think is the one where I think is more well, likely. His, his you know. over
1: under right now is 20 and a half. So it either puts
0: him 20 to and a half. Points. Yeah. He's moved to 20, and, moved a 20 and a half. He so. was like 40 and a half like three days ago. Yeah. Wow. All right. This is, did you move the market? With your mocks? No. That was trending that way. This is from (laughs) CakePants5. Love the show, boys. Which round would you select Kyle Phillips? That's the UCLA slot receiver. Seems like a reliable slot, third down, chain mover. Would love to see him on the Packers. I think reliable slot, third down, chain mover has been applied to every draftable white receiver since the dawn of time.
1: Alec Pierce is not a reliable third down. I still think
0: someone has probably called him that.
1: I mean, pick 92 for the the Packers he's a better player my opinion just my opinion than my Rodgers last year. really you like I Phillips like over
0: Rogers I had a
1: Rodgers in the 140s last year I was not it just was he was too big dude for a slot receiver I mean like he was an actual running back last year they should still move him to running back um 85 to the Patriots is looking hot I would say 86 to Vegas if they didn't have Hunter Renfro already 92 to the Packers who else is hot in that range um Ninety-eight to New Orleans would be hot. Yeah, somewhere in that range. is a it's a hot hot spot for Cal Phillips. Hot Maybe spot. even seventy-seven to Minnesota would be hot. Who wouldn't be hot? Um, who wouldn't be hot? Who uh, wouldn't be hot?
0: Hard to say, right? He's just a third-down chain mover, so it's hard every, to. Not who find doesn't a spot. need
1: ninety-one to Tampa Bay would be hot. Stop. Um, Hundred to Baltimore. He he wouldn't have a role in Baltimore. That would be ugly. It would be cold.
0: This is from CJ Gators, too. My question is, what does the perfect Ravens draft class look like? Go okay. ahead.
1: I have crafted a perfect Ravens draft class. 14. Your
0: second-round pick for the Ravens is a pipe dream.
1: It's a pipe dream, but 14 George Karloftis. I think your third-round pick.
0: Third pick is also a pipe dream.
1: George Karloftis. This is obviously according to the PFF board. So that's, They may not cover Karloftis that highly, or they may, but that's I do. And so 14, Karloftis. 45, Travis Jones, the UConn defensive tackle. He's lower than that in the consensus board, just saying. 76 roger mccreary the auburn cornerback may not be for everyone because of his arm length but he could play the slot for baltimore and then 100 jeremy ruckert they after that like after those three picks they don't really have a quote-unquote obvious need i would say so load up on the blocking tight ends because that's their jam
0: i think if they can get travis jones and Roger McCreary on day two, that is a slam dunk. I don't even care who they take at 14 at that point. Karloftis obviously would be great. I think Karloftis is falling, though. Every report, unless it's smokescreen season, silly season, Karloftis apparently could fall out of the first round. Fuck, dude.
1: If he falls out of the first round, I would –
0: that's –
1: In this class, that would blow my mind. There's
0: always a player that in PFF's top 20 falls out of the first round. We already know that's going to be Bernard Ryman. Raymond. Raymond. Who else? Is there anyone else on that you want Well, would I just bet? said
1: Devontae White might. True. Devin Lloyd, if the injuries. Um, N'Kobe Dean's going to fall out of the first round. You think? Gonna, I bet, dude.
0: Damn. Right. Sky Moore's going to fall out of the first round. He's 22nd. No. He's going the first. Sky Moore's not going in the first round. You're high. All right. This is from Jeremy S. I'm a Packers fan, like Mike. Hey, him? And I was wondering if it would make sense for the Packers to trade up for a top receiver. Maybe Drake London, Garrett Wilson. Go ahead.
1: So I could see like a mini bump. You know, you're sitting at 22. Mm. Mini jump. Sitting at 22, you're thinking, you know, New Orleans might want a receiver at 19. Chargers, 17. New Orleans also at 16. Like if, if there's a spot in there, like say 18, there's a spot to go there where it's not costing you one of those day two picks. Because I think day two is lucrative this year just from my viewing if it's costing you a day three pick boom on board but i think you want those day two picks so
0: there you go i don't think they should trade up either i liked your situation where drake london fell to 22 i mean all the signs are pointing to him falling a little bit far if he if drake london falls to 22 that would be a dream scenario for the pack i bet you they pass on him
1: okay don't don't put that out there dude don't you put that idea out there this one i've seen enough receivers passed on i don't need another
0: This is from F. Mike Haters. This guy's got me back. First things first, Mike, I'm not a Packers fan. I'm on the outside looking in. Help me understand why you want Pickens over Burks. I agree Pickens is the better player overall, but I think Burks' skill set could be better utilized under Matt LaFleur. He has shown with Devontae Adams he can scheme up plays for his wide receiver around the line of scrimmage with screens in the slot and down the field. All things Burks has shown in college. If you disagree, I would like to know your reasons for Pickens' fit over Burks. So that was all
1: kind of predicated on like the whole, the whole house of cards that was the Packers' offense last year that obviously came tumbling down in the playoffs. was predicated on the fact that Devontae Adams and defenses knew he could get open at will one-on-one. So if you have Treon Burks in said role, you, defenses are not going to be worried that he's going to get open one-on-one. On, what are you doing?
0: I don't know what I'm right. doing. The
1: defense aren't going to be worried about you getting <laughs> open one-on-one. You need the guy that can win on his own and then you can do those things for him like once you put that fear of God in the defenses then you can do those things for everyone else and like have those schemed up targets because of how defenses have to play you until then though if you just have a bunch of guys that require said schemed up targets you're just going to get press man coverage looks that aren't going to be favorable whatsoever to you know scheming up open receivers so that's why I say that if you had Devonta Adams still I could get on board with the but. You're to
0: Eric Eager, who is a insane better, mm-hmm. Eric Eager. Guess how much money he has in draft props on the draft? Um, five thousand dollars. More.
1: Oh, shit! Twenty thousand.
0: Okay, it's not that much. He has like over ten k. He has over k ten over ten k in props, and he told me not to tell anybody, but I'm gonna spread this out. <laughs> he said Pickens is a first rounder. He said, find your props and get them in the first. That's what he told me. And the guy has $14,000 on props. Uh, I, I I'm, I'm, He also told me to bet Quay Walker under 40 and a half. And it has moved now to 20 and a half. this guy's on he's got it he's got it he's figuring it out he's figuring it out so if you are looking to bet money on the draft he doesn't
1: after work after he leaves the office he doesn't go home he drives to indiana he
0: he literally (laughs) is in indiana right now he's like do you want me to put money on anything i'm like no please (laughs) eric uh is big on pickens going in the first uh i think the chiefs are probably going to be in consideration all right this is from you went to the chiefs in my mock draft i think this would be a good stripper name this is from Joey Pepperoni.
1: That's a great stripper name. At, like a, at
0: a, a stripper place, stripper place, slash pizza a parlor. strip club slash pizza parlor. What would you call a strip club slash pizza parlor? I think strip club names are, are an interesting marketing exercise.
1: Um, a strip club slash pizza parlor?
0: Yeah. What would you call it? Uh, pe- we'll think about it. Think about it. And we'll keep going. This is Joey Pepperoni. If you are Washington's GM and you have the choice of Wilson, London, Hamilton, and 11, who are you picking?
1: I'm trusting the PFF board. You're not in a position where I think you can stray from a board and go try to fit a need in. You're not that good of a roster, quite frankly. Like, you're not that close to competing. You're not like in the mix for a Super Bowl next year. At that point, trust the board. Understand it's a long-term decision. And so the highest guy on the board for me it would be Kyle Hamilton.
0: Hamilton it is at 11. I think they're going to be in some trade-down conversations. I think Washington's yeah. going to be looking to trade down. But um, if they're if Wilson's on the board, I'm pretty sure they're really high on Wilson. I think Garrett Wilson, the Ohio State receiver, is, is someone that's high on their board. I think they're going to ultimately go Wilson if he is there. But I don't think he is. He's minus you know minus 205 to go inside the first nine and a half picks. I think Garrett Wilson's going to go ahead of Washington. All right, this is from Ramadan Kyrie. I'm still thinking about the strip club pizza place, by the way. The sausage factory. Is it a male strip club? No, it's uh, oh, okay. I, I guess it could be. I sausage think it's fact. easier to come up with one for a male strip club, for a pizza place. Sausage is. fact. stuffed crust. <laughs> I don't know if that's good or not. I, all think right,
1: about okay, go ahead.
0: Oh, uh, this is from Ramadan Kyrie. Uh, we need to end this discussion once for all. What is Bailey Zappi's arm strength velocity? On three. On March twenty second, 2022, Nicole Lynn tweeted out a video of Zappi throwing the ball 60 yards. I'm surprised that this wasn't mentioned on the Catcher Early Buzz segment since the video had Sam Ellinger vibes to it. Mike has tweeted a video of Zappi throwing a ball 60 yards, and it looked effortless. But then the senior bowl, he had balls die on him. So we need the answers. Starting to get Cody Kessler vibes. Please rate him uh, on his arm strength, according to NFL standards. It's
1: not in the liability tier. To me, it's very similar to, like, a Kenny Pickett in, in his draft class where it's, you're not going to write home about it. You're not going to be like, oh, man, that arm. But you're never going to really worry about it. To me, it's like, let's say like a Matt Ryan is prime. Or it's like no one ever raged about Matt Ryan's arm strength. until, And then no one ever complained about it until recently when it started to drop off. All
0: right. this Is, who, 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 is there a quarterback actually you, you mentioned not in the liability tier? Are there quarterbacks that have come out recently or quarterbacks? I mean, are Joe Burrows is in the liability like, tier. Liability tier.
1: Like that's he's probably the weakest to like really be doing it at a high level still.
0: This is from Nick C12. Love the show. Got a couple questions. But like Cody Kessler,
1: um, who was the other Bengals quarterback before? Brandon Allen. No, the one from NC State. Ryan Finley, that was in the liability tier. Ryan Finley tier. is
0: in the liability tier. A lot he does. Yeah.
1: Um. So th- there have been others. I'm trying to think right now off the top of my head. But they usually just like they don't get drafted, honestly. So.
0: Uh, the pizza strip club is still in my head. Uh, something with toppings, I think, has some play to it, if you could let that ruminate. Okay. Uh, this is Love the Show from Nick C12. Got a couple questions about the Ravens, what they might be doing this year. I consistently see Jordan Davis mocked the Ravens at 14. With the AFC having his the arms race all offseason, is it crazy the Ravens to take a receiver in the first, especially if they trade back and grab someone like Pickens or Burks in the 20s? Also, does running such a run-oriented, run-heavy offense that the Ravens do, does that increase the value of running back in that offense? Side note, what's the over-under on Austin's daily caffeinated beverage intake? I put the line at five and a half. I've actually pulled back. I used to do two ventis a day. Now I only do one. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a better person. It helps me sleep a little bit more. Nice.
1: Nice. Good for you. That's it's good. It's, it's an addiction. It really is. It's fine, um, though. It's fine.
0: I'm fine. with You know, it's, it's important. to If you have addictions, it's important to be aware of them. Yeah. You know what I mean?
1: Uh, with how the Ravens' offense is set up, they, they won't take advantage of a third wide receiver, sadly. So as long as – um, gosh, who's the – Greg Romans, their offense coordinator, they're going to be two wide receiver sets, two tight end, two wide receiver, or a fullback, whatever. They're just not going to take advantage of that guy to where you're going to get diminishing returns. I don't think it's going to actually move the needle in your offense. So that's why you're getting OT's mock there. That's why you know when they drafted running back in the second round, we didn't really, and as an analytically driven franchise, we didn't really bat too much of an eye for it because it's going to have more value for them than it would for a lot of other teams in the league. So yeah, that's how we feel about the Ravens and their offense. The YouTube chat never disappoints. They have the perfect strip club name. I was going to say something like, something about white sauce, but continue. <laughs> no, what?
0: Meat lovers. Meat lovers. And, and that obviously to be a male strip club. Yeah. But I think that's fantastic. Yeah. I don't know a lot of male strip clubs. was ruminating about like white sauce or like sauce. I don't think white sauce is good. I, I still don't think we have a good female stripper strip club. Yeah. Meat lovers is phenomenal for the male strip club. Mm-hmm. But we'll keep thinking. Keep ruminating. This is from Mendoza QM. I think this guy's a consistent Gator, which I respect. So this is Gator Mend. Do you think the Panthers should take Anderson or Marshall for a two for a two or three round or maybe try to get a haul for more? Oh, trade. I, I said take. Trade Robbie Anderson or Terrace Marshall for a second or third round pick or maybe try to get a haul for DJ Moore. They already extended DJ Moore. I don't think no. they're trading DJ Moore. And Robbie Anderson, I saw a report, I think, from Charles Robinson of Yahoo Sports saying that if they were getting calls for Robbie Anderson, they'd consider it. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't know if you can even get a second for Robbie Anderson. Could you even get a second for Robbie Anderson?
1: Uh, that, that's t- – I don't think you'd be able to. It would probably be somewhere – it would probably be a day three pick for truthfully either at this point. Just picks lose their value quickly. Or, you know, Terrace Marshall, a second rounder last year, lose your value quickly if you don't hit the field and play well. Just because the track record of guys, you just lower the odds of a guy hitting by a little bit. Now, I'm not – giving up Marshall and it means that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that's the reality of the biz. So um, I would look to trade Anderson though, uh, truthfully, if they don't draft a quarterback, because it seemed like he fucking hated Sam Darnold. Like he, it,
0: with- But uh, Robbie Anderson reason, hates
1: everybody. Somewhat good reason. Like that, he hung him out to dry a few different times there last season. So it, it was not- a The favorite.
0: Robbie Anderson story, I think we've told on this podcast before, but some people don't look up the Robbie. And if you're on the podcast right now, We're not going to tell the story again because it's absurd. Look up the Robbie Anderson cop story. It's one of the more phenomenal. Just type in Robbie Anderson cop, and it is absolutely sensational. Uh, Robbie Anderson is not doesn't like a lot of people. Okay, he's he's an angry guy, so I don't think that's necessarily an indictment on any QB. All right, this is from Brock G thirty two, and I just thought of the perfect female strip club name. Oh, so you know how like there's that pizza that has everything on it? Yeah, the Supreme. Supreme. Call it the Supreme. I think that's pretty solid. Supreme. Just it's a little vague, right? You're like, oh, I don't know what that place serves. But Supreme, I think, is pretty good. It's not bad. It's
1: better than what I, anything I've come up with. I'm yeah, so the white like, sauce the stuff white that sauce you're on is not great.
0: Brock G32. My question is, how would you attack rounds two or three for this draft for the Colts? I want Sky Moore Pickens. That's George Pickens, the receiver from Georgia. In round two, to be primarily our Z. I then think we covet Tariq Willen, UTSA corner, and his traits in round three, which I like as well. Good or bad plan? This is from Brock G32 on Apple Podcasts.
1: 42 really does look like it could be a prime spot to get a wide receiver now i just said cam taylor Britt. i would love there but if the guys we just mentioned the guys he mentioned sky Moore, george Pickens, who i said he might be going in the first do fall to that spot that's tough to pass up that's a big need for them right now is that second wide receiver position and that's a spot where you can find you yeah. could find talent truthfully they raised it or he kind of did one in a couple of years ago and Michael Pittman so I think it is uh 73 I I would look to reinvest in the offensive line you, you want to keep a strength of strength that's the f- fuel of that offense is that O-line and, and on paper it's not a disaster at the moment you, you know you have options Matt Pryor at left tackle uh Danny Pinter who I liked a lot coming out of Ball State at Pinter. right guard very athletic dude um But I think in this class saying we've set a round three into your ops line, going to be very strong. I think that could be where they go.
0: YouTube chat onto the works, which I don't think it's similar to that Supreme tier where it's not obvious, but it's still pretty solid. All right, this is from max552228. Do you think the value is better for the Jets to possibly select the first receiver off the board at 10 or do you think it would be smarter to take a guy at 35, maybe a Skymore, George Pickens? A lot of people are liking this top of day two, George Pickens, Sky Moore vibe. Dude, which
1: everyone loves it. I
0: love, the, I love the top of day two conversation, top trying to get two. some Val. Top of day
1: two. And it's, it's lucrative. This year's class, it is very strong. And at valuable positions too, I believe. I think there will be interesting guys there available at wide receiver, at um, edge rusher, and maybe even offensive tackle in that range if... Bernard Raymond does indeed fall. So, um, I, I, I do, I will say, I do think that I would wait depending on how the board necessarily falls, um, for them. I, I would think about waiting a wide receiver. Now, me personally, I, or I think they will indeed wait until the second round for a wide receiver, just with, with offensive tackle being so heavy at the top, I have them draft Nicky Kwanu in the mock draft. And then, uh, they're basically targeting one of these top two edges i just don't see the massive difference between jermaine johnson and arnold abichetti personally so i would probably if like jameson williams on the board that's where i would likely lean but i don't know that this one that's a tough conversation truthfully because i don't think you can really go wrong with where they're with where the talent lies in this draft
0: what's been your reaction to some of the rumors that they're going to trade for debo and would you trade both of those top of, you know, both those second round picks for him? What, what would be your maximum pro- If you're the Jets, what are you trading for Devo Samuel? I don't think 10's crazy.
1: Really? Given, so what did, you add up all the Devontae Adams and it came out to like an equivalent of a pick 13, 14. Kill was like pick 12 is what you add up all the compensation. So it's close. It's in that range and he's younger. Obviously you get a year of, him cheaper, so and, and you know he fits in your offense, unlike the other teams trading for those guys. You know, like it's literally come, taking that offense from San Francisco. So I don't think that's crazy. What I do, it probably not, but I, I could see both teams want to get that done. Could
0: you see them going with, cause I, I think the more likely option is them going with say one of their second round picks, maybe a second and a third. And then one of the receivers they have, do you maybe packaging a Corey Davis in there? Or I don't know. I, I don't know if that makes more or less. sense. maybe Denzel Mims, you know, two second round picks and Denzel Mims. I don't know. This is from, I think that's it. Oh, that's it. That's no it. more questions. That's yeah. it for the mailbag. Okay. Your favorite question this year. Cause that's the last of the mailbag series. Um,
1: that's a good. What was the one? <sighs> there was one that had us like go through a whole team that I liked. I can't remember.
0: It's a lot of good ones though. Uh, what was yours? I don't know if I have mine. I think the one where they call you a loser on the speak pipes is probably my favorite. So that one's. Okay. There's a lot of speak pipes where they just end it with like "screw you, Mike." <laughs> I feel like it's because like you kind of have like that douchebag energy, which is fine. Um. All right, that's gonna do it for this mailbag. Let's go ahead and now jump to, oh wait, before we go to the interviews, make sure you go to manscaped.com and use code PFF for 20% off plus free shipping. But these interviews are great. We got Luke Fickle and Marcus Freeman, head coach of Cincinnati and head coach of Notre Dame. Now joining the tailgate podcast is Cincinnati head coach, Luke Fickle. I was actually talking to one of your former coaches this morning, Marcus Freeman there now at Notre Dame. He spoke very highly of you. And I know everyone else does in college football. It's great to have you on the show.
2: Well, I appreciate you having me, guys. Thanks.
0: Well, I want to start with Sauce Gardner. I was talking to my buddy Chad, uh, Chad Brendel, who does work at 24-7 Sports for the Bearcats. He brings up a a story all the time about Sauce. Him coming up to you and saying, hey, I go by Sauce. And you said, I don't know about that. You're going to have to earn that name. I'd say he's earned that over the course of his career there at Cincinnati. But to start, your early impressions of him, Ahmad Gardner, and and I guess how he's earned that nickname.
2: Well, he is still a mod to me. Um, I've always kind of harassed with him. I said, you're a mod until the day you get drafted. You know, that was said that as a freshman. And uh, well, I've only got a few more days probably left (laughs) to continue to call him a mod. And then once he's drafted, I will refer to him as his uh, nickname. Um, No, he, what an amazing kid. I mean, the day he walked in the door, being the really smart coach that I am, I said, this guy, you know, maybe in two years can play for us, but he's way too skinny. You know, he's long. He's not going to be able to run well enough to you know, to play the way we want to play. And boy, did he prove me wrong in a, in a, in a quick uh, <laughs> a quick moment, let's just say. Um, so it, it, he started playing probably, it wasn't until week five where we, I think it was, where we had to, felt like we needed to roll and substitute some guys because he was actually playing behind Kobe Bryant, mm-hmm. who was our other, uh, the Thorpe winner this year, who was our corner opposite him. So they were both were playing at the boundary. And against UCF, we started rolling those guys. And I mean, the first, first series he was in there, he made a play, batted a ball down. I think the second series in there, he had picked six. And from there, I don't think he ever came out of the game. And, you know, we kind of shifted Kobe over to the field and, and uh, felt like we were in a really good position, um, having a true freshman kid even playing the boundary for us.
0: Excellent length, really good athleticism, also just such a such a smart player. you see such a heady player on tape as well, physical can win at the you know impress at, at, at coverage and these different things. Where would you say though his game has improved the most right because we see the finished product now we see a top five top ten pick now, but what, what would you say his game and, and where it's improved the most
2: well, I, I would say technique-wise, he always was a kid that, that really understood the game. And over the last three years, he's really developed a technique of, of playing a lot of man coverage, because that's what we did a bunch. Um, so he really just honed in and developed the patience of, of being able to play up from the press position. But I think more than anything was from last year to this year, uh, his ability to kind of take that next step to be a pro. And we challenged him and said, there's no way, if you think you're going to be a first-round draft pick, which we didn't know going last year, um, you gotta have to be 200 pounds or 195 pounds. You're gonna have to get stronger. You're gonna have to change your body a little bit more. Um, you're gonna have to do these things if you really think that you could be a first-round draft pick. Uh, not to mention, you're also got tackle better. Mm-hmm. And uh, I tell you what, from the last eight months, he was a different person. And he was already a great player for us. But his 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 attention to detail, his ability to, you know, just. The way he ate, the way he went about everything, he, he got himself up to 200 pounds, made himself stronger, which in turn made him faster. Uh, and he really honed in and focused on tackling. Not that a press corner that's playing man all the time is getting a whole lot of tackles, but we were even the year before when we would blitz him and he he'd come up with a sack. We're like, oh man, you you gotta you gotta get yourself in a better football position, be stronger to be able to be physical at the point of attack with some of these tackles. And, Obviously, we had to find unique things to challenge him with because he was so good at everything else. And to be a – to a T, man, he he did all those things in the last eight months. To me, took him from being a – already a great player for us to being a uh, completely dominant, going to be a great player at the next level.
0: I had one more question on Sauce, but to sidestep it a bit just because you mentioned you know, how much bigger he got, how much stronger he got. I'm – I want to say the biggest – Uh, The best-kept secret in college football is your strength and conditioning staff, and specifically Brady Collins. He, in my opinion, has done insane things to players. You go back to Derek Forrest, who showed up to Cincinnati, a lot skinnier than where he ended up. Even Brian Cook, coming over from Howard, and him adding weight. And then you have, obviously, Ahmad Garner. Brady Collins is doing something special there with your strength and conditioning group. Speak to his success with you there in Cincinnati and just how important he is and how vital he is to you guys developing these stars.
2: I'll talk about can't do that. It's, it's too much of a secret. We can't, uh, <laughs> we can't have Coach Collins, uh, all that information getting out. Now he, he is the the heart and soul. And uh, we've been very fortunate here to have what I call consistency. We've had a lot of turnover coaches, but we've had consistency the core uh, of what we've done since the day we walked in. And he is the core of what we've done. And I just mean that we're on the same page. He believes in the same things. He believes in developing football players, not just weightlifters down there. Um, and from from day one the 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 rapport that he has built with those guys he he can ask them to do anything and push them to do anything and they will and i think that's where the incredible success for us in building not just football players but a culture and environment that loves to work that loves to compete in everything that they do um i can't take credit for that that's been built um been stressed and been pushed For five years now on a very consistent basis with the same exact, you know, kind of messaging um, from a group of guys, starting with Coach Collins to a lot of his, you know, been a little bit of a run of some different guys down there, but to a T, those guys are on the same page and have done a phenomenal job to get us to where we are.
0: And from the outside looking in, you know, I've talked to some players that speak to Collins and the culture that he's building. He has buy-in because he's legitimately transforming bodies as well, right? A lot of, you know, you, you bring up like coaches, how do you get buy-in in the NFL? You got to win football games with Collins. He is transforming human beings there in Cincinnati. And I think uh, the kids gravitate towards that knowing that he can turn them obviously into NFL frames. The last question I had on Gardner was one of my favorite tapes to watch with Gardner in this pre-draft process is the Alabama game. And it's one where he doesn't play a lot of press, right? He isn't at the line of scrimmage you see, Nick Saban essentially, from my perspective, tip his cap to Gardner and, and run some more bunch sets to get, you know, put him in off zone coverage concepts and all that stuff. What was your reaction to how Saban and how Alabama approached you offensively in that game? And, and did you have the same read, right? Were they looking to do that with Gardner? That's what my perspective was.
2: Well, I kind of go back a little bit more. The second game of the year against uh, Indiana, I thought, you know, they had a, a big time wideout kid that made some plays for the year before. And I said, hey, we kept kinda of telling Ahmad, I said, you know, even at the end of his sophomore year, he wasn't getting challenged much and kept kind of pushing him to look at, hey, you're gonna get challenged when we go into that week two. You're gonna they're gonna throw the ball up. They're gonna take targets at you because they believe in their guy. And I think maybe they threw at him one time in the first in the first half or first quarter and and there was no separation or anything It never went back. And I'm like, okay, maybe I was lying to the kid. They aren't gonna kind of target him. And we kept telling them going to the bowl game. You're going to get targeted now. They're going to challenge you. We're going to find out. You're going to have an opportunity to go from you know a first round pick to you know being a, a top ten guy, possibly by you know the opportunities that you're going to have against the best. Because some people are going to say you haven't played against the very yeah. best, maybe on a, on a weekend and week out basis. And uh, when they were normal, there was not a whole lot of separation. And to see them, you know, even go away from that, maybe. a a little bit, as well as to bunch it up, I I think is one of those things that you know they recognized, you know, and respected, you know, what he was and how he had done things, and you know we're, we're at least going to game plan to not just say hey we're better than these guys for sure we're just going to go out and do what we do they uh, you know they they recognized uh, you know some of the strengths that we had and especially with Ahmad Gardner.
0: Staying on the defense side of the ball, I know he had a pick in that game as well, the mm-hmm. Alabama game, is Brian Cook, who I have, it was, it, it's bummed me out to see him not be able to participate in this pre-draft process due to some of the injuries. But he, coming from Howard, a transfer, is another guy that really added to his frame and is such a physical, tough player, one of the bigger hitters in this class. You know, what, what were your early impressions of him and now it, your expectations for him going into the league?
2: So in year one, he couldn't play. You know, that he was a transfer rule and, and we, he, he was not eligible to play. Um, and I just thought he was a great kid, you know, I mean, we didn't see him play a whole lot. He was, you know, since he wasn't able to play, then, you know, he's down on the scout team. And then in spring ball that year, he breaks his, he breaks his ankle. So I think it's in like practice four and, and nonetheless, you're just like, this is such a great kid, man. He's going to be able to help us someday. I don't know what he's going to do, but wow, is he a great kid. I mean, and I just kept saying that he's a great kid. He's a great kid and then you know going into the next year he's you know he's got two years to play and you got Derek Force and James Wiggins and I'm like well we'll get to see a little bit of you know what Brian Cook is and how he handles this situation and he, he got hurt again he got a high ankle sprain you know in the middle of camp or towards the end of camp and, and probably missed a good three or four weeks um and so you didn't know exactly he's just a great kid mm-hmm. you know and, and he does everything well he was a stud on special teams um, and played a little bit, but those were our two, those were the heart and soul of our, our defense in a lot of ways with with uh, Derek Forrest and, and James Wiggins. And uh, when Wiggins got hurt and then he played the championship game, it was like, oh, my goodness. he's not. He is a great kid, but I think he might be a great football player too. And then we go to the Georgia game, and he plays lights out. I mean, he blitzes great, he covers great, he tackles great, and you're like, Wow. Okay. This he's still a great kid. But I think he's going to be a chance to be a great football player. And then when we tested, and so we did our own little combine testing in the winter, and he ran four four five side wow. by side with Pierce. They both ran four four five together. That's when I started looking around. I go, okay, maybe he's a better football than he, player than he is even a great kid. And that probably was the first time I was like, oh my goodness, I'm not sure we recognized how much talent this kid really has just because we haven't seen him play as much football. And uh, he didn't disappoint um, to a fault. He's, so, he's such a good kid that he played through the shoulder injury for half the season, but didn't have surgery because he wanted to help his team and then wanted to have surgery right afterwards because he wants to be ready for whatever team he goes to. And uh, maybe that wouldn't have been my suggestion to him, um, But in his mind, he wanted to make sure that he was able to help the team that he's going to. Uh, And it, it hurt him maybe a little bit in this draft process.
0: In the limited experience I've had talking to him and also Dan Horde, who's a big fan of Brian Cook's as well. And then you hear your story. It's, it sounds like one of these guys that you just want 11 of, right? You want 11 of these guys on defense, which is is awesome to hear from your perspective. Going back to or going to the opposite side of the ball, obviously Desmond Ritter, another high profile prospect going into the 2022 NFL draft coming out of Cincinnati. He's a guy I've talked to a handful of times, even going back to like his early years when he was competing with Hayden Moore for the starting gig there at Cincinnati. I'll never forget when Mike Warren at a press conference, it was still Uh, when Kaz was working as the the SID, he said, Mike Warren says, nobody talks more trash than Desmond Ritter. And Kaz is like, uh, 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 uh." Desmond Ritter, man. He is, uh, he's a character on the field and off the field. I know we've talked about the athleticism, the length, and, you know, he's got this big arm, all these things. He's a processor, but speak to the character, right? The leader that the NFL is getting in Desmond Ritter, because I think that's something that's undervalued uh, as we look at this pre-draft process.
2: There's no doubt that is, you know, and and I tell our guys here for our team now, I say, we're going to be fine. we got a really good team coming back. We've got, you know, we're going to have a really good quarterback or a great quarterback. We're going to have really good corners, we're going to be able to play the way we played. The thing that we don't know what we've got is that guy that holds the glue that holds everything together. And that's what Desmond Ritter has been and will be in the next level. And, you know, he's done it for four years. So he hasn't just done it because he was the, you know, the captain. He did it when he was a freshman out there playing because he just got that He's got such a humble nature. He's got such a big heart. Um, he truly embodies, you know, leaders make others around him better. And and he just, I mean, it was from his freshman year all the way through. He's grown as a leader, but his natural abilities to think about his teammates, to, to be a guy of action as opposed to always just being the guy of words, but then also earning the respect because he's one of the hardest working in it and maybe the hardest working guy. That does compete as much as anybody else maybe it is talking a little bit smack um <laughs> and, and then obviously taking care of his teammates so everything embodied in one he had those leadership qualities but he's been put in a position to grow those uh i think when he walks into nfl locker room it's not going to be anything different meaning he's not going to go in there and pound his chest he's going to go in there and be an example and people by nature are just going to gravitate to him
0: a couple more questions for you, Coach, and I'll let you go. I really appreciate the time. Uh, I, I want to go to Alec Pierce, who is Ritter's, you know, go-to guy. You mentioned him, you know, running alongside Brian Cook in the winter. He is an insane athlete. You know, you go back to this Alabama game, which I think a lot of evaluators turn on when looking at Cincinnati to see how they do against some of these four-star, five-star, you know, prospects for the Crimson Tide. Pierce is so explosive, eats cushion in a hurry, and really won the vertical route tree at Cincinnati. Was a primary target for Desmond Ritter. He's being rumored in the daytime. Two range. I, what am I missing? I, I think he deserves some more top 50 top 40 buzz. I, I think he's a lot better than what he's being billed as. Am I wrong?
2: No, I, I think that there's still some question just in general, you know, I think from his junior year to his senior year and and his junior year, he was a good receiver. Uh, his senior year to me, he turned he became a great receiver and it wasn't just well, you threw the ball to him more. Yes, I think the confidence, I think the connection there, but I think he's really turned himself into being one of those complete guys. Um, not that you're going to take yourself from a fourth or fifth round pick by your blocking ability as a wide receiver into the second round. But when people really start to dive in and study him, they all of a sudden recognize, he's, you know, oh, my goodness, he, this guy's going to be a great special teams guy. This guy is a physical dominating blocker, <laughs> as well as he's still just scratching the surface as to what he can do as a, as a true wide receiver because he's so intelligent. He understands the game. I think at the next level, he's got a chance to grow even more. And uh, I say the same thing about Ahmad, Mm -hmm. that I think at the next level, he's got a chance to be even better than he was here because they'll mix in different coverages and use him, which I think is an incredible strength of his, even though we didn't because of how good he was at playing man. Mm -hmm. I think the same thing with Pierce. I think his ability for them to play against a lot of different coverages and things that are really sophisticated in the NFL – is only going to show how much better he is because of his intelligence and understanding of the game. Two more prospects
0: to highlight, guys, that really pop off in, in PFF's metrics and PFF's analytics in this class. It's Darian Beavers, who I think has really good size and really good length for the linebacker position. I think he could even play on the line of scrimmage. You used him everywhere there at Cincinnati, and then Curtis Brooks, who has one of the highest interior pass rush win rates of any defensive tackle this past season in the FBS, and and even turned it on against Bama again. He was a guy that I saw, you know, really going off on these guards there at Alabama. Curtis Brooks and Darian Beavers, your expectations for them as they go into the league?
2: I think that, that Darian Beavers is a guy that I think is really going to have an opportunity to excel in a different ways in the NFL. He can be an edge guy. I mean, obviously, as a sophomore in college, he was a uh, edge rush guy at UConn. And as a high school kid, he was a, he was a safety. And he's just kind of grown into his body. But I think his his ability, last athleticism, his length is going to, at the next level, make him a... Really, really, really good pass defender, which you might not see nearly as much in college because you know of the way we play with a little bit of a man stuff, but also you know maybe not as sophisticated of a passing game in college as you'll obviously see at the next level. And his ability to do that, to play in space, to be an incredible pass defender, um, mixed in with ability to rush, I think is going to give him a lot of upside as teams really start to break him down. Uh, and then for me, Curtis Brooks is my defensive MVP for our team. I know it's hard not to say Ahmad or Kobe who won the Thorpe, but in my opinion, I'm a little biased towards defensive line, but nose guards in particular, um, I don't think there's anybody that meant more to what we do and did than Curtis Brooks and uh, he played a position as a nose guard that maybe is not, you know, he's going to be more of a three technique or even was a, a probably a five technique in our system. But we asked him to play nose guard because we thought he could dominate in there and and a lot of his explosive abilities. And and like you said, he might not come up on the stat chart every week, but he was the key component to us stopping the run uh, and then creating havoc in the pass rush in a lot of situations.
0: Yeah, huge fan of Brooks. And it's crazy, too, because you have Maje Sanders. Beavers played up on the line. You have Malik Van there, who's obviously a coveted player on that defense line. And Brooks, just every single game, kept showing up when I was watching back the tape. Uh, Coach, this has been absolutely fantastic. I always appreciate the time. And I wish you the best of luck this upcoming season.
2: Hey, I appreciate it, Austin. Thanks for having me.
0: Now joining the show is Notre Dame head coach, Marcus Freeman. One of my favorite coaches in all of college football, not just because you visited the PFF offices, but we, you, you've you been rising up the ranks fast, man. All well-deserved, really appreciate you jumping on.
3: Well, I'm glad to be back. Um- You know, it was just like yesterday, we were in Cincinnati, so it's it's an honor to be back out here on your podcast.
0: Not a lot of reason to come back to Cincinnati outside of PFF, I'll say that. I'm from Oakland, California, Cincinnati, not my favorite city in the world, but we'll manage here. I want to start with Kyle Hamilton. Kyle Hamilton, obviously a coveted player in this draft class. We had, you know, Coach Brian Kelly on this podcast, and he called him the most versatile player he's ever coached. You obviously had the opportunity to really work with him there at Notre Dame. What's his best role in the NFL, right? I think he can be used in a lot of different places, six foot four, 220, has good range despite some of the combine stuff. What's his best role in the NFL? And I guess, where would you play him at the next level?
3: I would definitely play him at safety. Um, you know, just the ability to truly cover 53 and a third and, and sideline to sideline and, and a guy that can track the football. You can do multiple things with him and, and put him in a box if you need to. And in certain situations to be a linebacker type player and you can play him out in man coverage. And, and I've told him this before is that sometimes I think he has so many skill sets that I overutilize him at times. And, you know, I wanted sometimes having pressed the slot and play man coverage and be the middle field safety and play linebacker and blitz and You know, I want Kyle to be able to be the best version of Kyle. And um, I think playing safety will do that for him.
1: Yeah, so it's gotten some criticism actually for from anonymous either scouts or coaches saying, you know, they didn't think he could cover the slot, despite the fact that you lined him up there about half his snaps in that sort of range last season. What did you see from him that made you feel confident that he could play a number of different roles?
3: Oh, I think when you see somebody with his size, athleticism and speed, you're, you're pretty certain that he can do is anything you ask him to do. And the reality of things is that you have to continue to work at, at certain situations to be successful. And and um, and again, I, I, I told him, hey, listen, I always put the blame on myself and that, you know, I believe in him so much that sometimes I take for granted that, you know, hey, if we're going to play him on man in the slot, then we need to practice that probably more, <laughs> more than we don't. And so... Um, Again, he is an unbelievable talent. He's a freakish of an athlete, um, and he's going to be a huge addition for anybody that drafts him.
0: Freakish athlete, insane size, 6'4", 220, also has his own podcast, super heady player. Speak to the character and the personality the NFL is getting in Kyle Hamilton.
3: Well, I I, I like to say he's a Notre Dame kid, and and that's what you're going to get out of kids that come here. you know not every kid's going to be able to be a Notre Dame kid and, and Kyle Hamilton is a great example of what a Notre Dame kid exemplifies and, and he's an ultimate gentleman he's a a great person he's driven he's he, he has a wide vision of life you know and, and he understands that there's going to be life after football you know this game will end at some point and he's doing things like that podcast and using the network that is so powerful here in, at Notre Dame and uh Kyle is to, again, as I'll say it again, just a great example of what a Notre Dame kid is like.
1: So Kyle Hamilton, obviously going off to the NFL, coming in though from Northwestern. Brandon Joseph, he had six picks a couple years ago in the COVID-shortened season. What have you seen from him coming to South Bend so far?
3: Uh, he, he finds a way to to find the football, and that can be in there. that can be through making open field tackles. But Brandon Joseph finds his way um, to the ball, and a couple early in the spring, he had a couple of interceptions. I'm like. Man, that's just a case of being in the right place at the right time. But over the course of spring, it happened over and over and over and <laughs> over. And, and there's no coincidence, man. Um, he's a guy that can find the football. Um, he had a couple of really good tackles in a spring game. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how much uh, of an addition this would be to our defense.
0: A lot of defensive back questions for you, Coach. I want to turn back the clocks a little bit and look at your time there at Cincinnati. Cincinnati has a good defensive back coming out into the draft this year. Sauce Gardner, who had a phenomenal 2021 campaign and even was playing at a very high level early in his Cincinnati career. You know, what were your early impressions of him and how impressed are you with just how it's all turned out for him?
3: Oh, uh, it's a great. It's a great story. I remember when Coach Mickens, who's our corners coach here at Notre Dame, recruited Sauce and and yeah, I remember seeing him over the phone and FaceTime. And he never had a shirt on. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> like, who is this skinny guy on FaceTime that never has a shirt on? And um, when he got to uh, Cincinnati, you know, he came in June. And I'm like, okay, he wasn't as highly recruited as maybe even some of those other guys in that class. And he continued to make plays, right? He made plays, he made plays. And, and I remember Mickey starting to play him early in in the... In the the season and then he kept making plays and then I remember at one point I think it was um, East Carolina or certain some game right in the middle of the season it might have been UCF I remember Mickens looked at me and said hey we might need to stop rotating this guy and just leave him in there and and to see where that season has led um, to to now I'm not surprised Um, after my time with him I was surprised where he's at versus how we recruited him but um, what a tireless worker Sauce works his butt off. Um, He's a great competitor, um, and and he's a guy that loves the game. He has such length, and he uses it. You see long guys all the time that don't use their length. Sauce is a guy that truly uses his length, and uh, he's going to be excited to see where he goes on Thursday.
0: You obviously have a a ton of recruiting experience, even going back to your time in Cincinnati, now they're at Notre Dame. And and we've talked a lot about defensive backs. A lot of these guys are big. You know, Brandon Joseph is big. Kyle Hamilton's big. Sauce Gardner got length. Are there height, weight, speed, thresholds you look at at the cornerback position that you covet from starters, even at safety as well?
3: Well, I think, yeah, if you could create the perfect DB, um, he's going to have length, size, speed, you know, but it's a fine line between just recruiting the length versus the production, too, you know, and that um, you still have to have guys that are productive, guys that can play the game. And so when you can have the combination of both the guys that are great football players, they're productive and have the length and size, that's where you get the first rounders in in sauce and and Kyle Hamilton and some of those guys. But, um, you know, I still think it's about how well does the guy play ball, right? And that, you know, I don't want to confuse length, size and speed versus production and, Um, It's the the culmination of both Mm -hmm. that, uh, to me, is what we're always looking for. So we talk a lot about our
1: evaluation process of college prospects. How does your evaluation process, or how do you start evaluating a high school prospect in the recruiting process of a guy that you're going to want to offer, maybe not offer?
3: Um, I think there's a couple different ways. It's, you know, you identify them by film, but it's also, that's why recruiting is so important, the relationships with high school coaches you know if you have relationships with high school coaches and you trust them right And in a high school coach that you know and you trust us hey i got a guy i got a guy and he's a real guy a lot of times you're gonna take what he says because you have previous experiences of, of him having guys then and I think that's that's where it starts but then you'll meet a high school coach that might say hey I got a guy you don't know him and so guess what you got to go trust your film you have to trust your evaluation go watch his film and, and um, continue to trust the things that you see but I think it's so important it's, it still comes back to relationships 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 and then film evaluation you have to trust the things you see
0: Looking forward to this upcoming season, we obviously talked about you know uh, Hamilton a ton, but there there's some studs on offense too. You got Buckner. You, I know there's some hype around Chris Tyree. You know you are, you're obviously through the spring game. Who are some names offensively that you're excited about to to break out in 2022?
3: Well, I think um, you know the running back room is, is is really deep, as you just said, with Logan Diggs and Chris Tyree and, and um, Jadarian Price and all your guests. I mean, it's a deep room, um, and we. We're just adding a, a guy out of Cincinnati, a young man named um, uh, Jabron Payne, um, and so I, I really look forward to seeing that running back room. Um, we we'll still have a QB battle in terms of Tyler Buckner and Drew uh, Drew Pine, and um, the offensive line um, is is one that's going to be really exciting because we have a coach stand here who we just hired that spent time here. Um, at Notre Dame before I was here and it went to the NFL and it's back and he's done an unbelievable job with that that uh offensive line group and, and I'm also excited about the whiteouts. you know we had some guys that had experience that were injured for the spring so to get them back and get a, a young guy in um we got one guy coming in the summer and um it, it's again it's 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 all it's still developmental mm-hmm. you know what I mean there's there's exciting things that you look for in the spring but um until you get to that first game, it's about development and about pushing these guys uh, to their optimal level, man. And, and, and you know what? Let's see how they perform when we're out there um, on September third.
1: So obviously, here he's staying back in the fold. He was the guy who developed. You know, those all those top ten picks: Ronnie Stanley, Mike McGlinchey, uh, Quinton Nelson. You have two good sophomore tackles though. Now, Joe Alt, Blake Fisher. How good does he think those guys can be in that pantheon that is Notre Dame offensive linemen?
3: I think we all think um, they're going to be a lot better than Coach Heistand would even would even say to us, and that's how he is. <laughs> he's a he's a grinder man. He does not worry about the hoop laws, what he like we like to call it. Um, <laughs> he's worried about development. He's worried about pushing those guys. But we all know those guys are are gifted. You know, both true freshmen last year, both started. Um, they're big, athletic. A really good offensive linemen, and to see what Coach Stan can do with those guys over the next year or two years, it's going to, to me, be extremely exciting. And I see him in the role as those guys you just mentioned, the Ronnie Stanleys, the Mike McGlincheys, the Quentin Nelson. Though so Those are all the guys that Harry Stan recruited and developed, and uh, I look forward to see what he does with this group.
0: You mentioned September 3rd. Notre Dame makes a trip up to Columbus against, you know, one of the top teams in the country in terms of talent, right? C.J. Stroud, who's the favorite to win the Heisman. You have Jackson Smith, the Jigbo, one of the top receivers. Travion Henderson. How early do you start prepping for those Buckeyes?
3: Well, I've watched uh, a couple games, um, you know, and just, you know, but you can watch as many games as you want. Um, you still have to figure out who you are and, uh, What are the things your team does well? And so, again, I'll watch them and we'll prepare in the way we're supposed to. But right now, I think our focus is on the development and the preparation of this group and what's going to be our identity as we get ready to prepare for September 3rd.
1: So as a Buckeye yourself, do you ever get conflicted when when you're going back and playing the team you
3: you played for? (laughs) Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I Good. did it, obviously, at Cincinnati two years ago. and am going do it again this year. I know what locker room I'm going to, and uh, I know what it's all about.
0: Okay. Exciting stuff, Coach. Really appreciate the time, and I wish you the best of luck this upcoming season.
3: All right, guys. Thanks for having me.